Welcome to Vets to PM's Military Transition Academy podcast, the show where we discuss how to succeed in transitioning from the military service to the civilian workforce. This show and the academy it represents helps veterans transition into meaningful, lucrative post-service careers. Your primary host is Eric Doc Wright, PhD, Certified Manager, Military Veteran, Serial Founder, Best-Selling Business Author, Philosopher, Linguist, and Coach. Your other host is Jeremy Burdick, Project Management Professional, Scrum Master, Product Owner, and Retired Air Force Chief, and the current COO of Vesta PM and the Professional Development Unit University, where we will interview veterans successful in corporate America and business to bring you nuggets of wisdom every episode to make you more successful. Next, let's introduce today's guest. Our guest today is Juan J.P. Perez, Jr. He was born and raised in Brooklyn, New York, then commissioned in the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. J.P. then attended Special Forces Assessment and Selection in September 8th of 2001. As you can imagine, a few days later, we had an event that will have twisted the fate of the United States, but also J.P. Having completed the Special Forces Qualification Course in 2003, he joined the 7th Special Forces Group. JP deployed overseas in support of the GWAT in over seven countries, including Afghanistan. He then retired in 2016 and currently works as a program manager and lead for Davies Group. It's a UK-based company that provides professional services and technology solutions across the risk and insurance value chain. I can't wait for you to hear the episode. So, Brooklyn, New York, I commissioned the military back in 98 and uh, around two years into it, I had this crazy idea that I wanted to do all this special ops type of stuff. Uh, I volunteered for everything I could. You know, I got through airborne and ranger school, and then I uh, put in for assessment and selection. And uh, wouldn't you know it, I got accepted for the September 8th, 2001 class. Uh, so I showed up uh, over to Fort Bragg. We got uh, did the admin portion, which happened right there in the uh, Fort Bragg area. And then we get bussed out to um, Camp McCall. And uh, I think if I recall correctly, September 11th, 2001, we were taking the psychological evaluations. I think there's there was two or three of them that we had to do. And uh, while I'm there, and there was probably about 300 candidates uh in that class if not a little bit more i mean that 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 old uh the old auditorium they had uh was pretty packed and uh an instructor came in we had a a, a civilian proctor for the uh i think the site test is called the wonder lake i think that's a registered trademark so a lot of people probably are, are familiar with it and uh this instructor came in and spoke briefly with this proctor just let, letting her know that we had just gotten attacked, right? And uh, so we got paused. And uh, when they broke the news to us, we were thinking, oh, this is part of the psych test. There's no way. You know, when I was in New York City as a kid, uh, when I, you know, as a young man, I was a bike messenger for a little bit. So I have been through the financial area there on Wall Street. I have been by those buildings a lot, those monolithic buildings. I mean, I remember just one side of it was one one block wide. You know, so you never imagined that this could come down. And then they showed us the evidence. There were some pictures and the famous picture, the tragic famous picture of that gentleman that threw himself. You know, he's wearing a business suit and he's falling. That was one of the images that they showed us. 
and uh, that kind of became real. But we knew at that moment that, you know, you know, and this is the very beginning of it, right? Uh, very beginning of selection. And uh, the instructors told us, you know, in certain terms, whoever gets through the selection process is going to go to war. And, and he said, look, guys, not everybody's going to come home, right? Uh, at least not alive. I mean, we'll bring everyone home, but it's just, uh, so just know that going in. So selection took on a different aspect. It was no longer this, I mean, certainly it was exciting, the idea of joining the force and becoming a special operator, but it was serious business. Anyway, so I, I, I had my career in special operations. I was assigned to the 7th Special Forces Group when completing the Q course. And then I spent all my military career there. I retired out of uh, Florida, out in the uh, homestead. It was a Special Operations Command South. Really nice area, mind you. It was really nice. And uh, as I was coming towards the end of that journey, it was 2015, and uh, I spoke to one of my mentors at the time, Stu Braden. He's the founder of the Global Global Soft Foundation. You know, Stu. Yep. And uh, Stu told me, you know, you should really look into this PMP thing. And there's this guy, I think his name is Doc Wright. He's got a, a training business going on. You probably should look him up on LinkedIn, figure them out, you know, go to Google them. And I, and I did that. And at the time, I think you guys have been around maybe a year. I, I, I'm not sure. I remember uh, going through the class and uh, it really, it really showed me not only that I already had the skill sets required, but it was a matter of repurposing and translating. Right. And, uh, and, and a lot of it was really helpful too, because it taught me also the vernacular that's used in business, you know? Uh, so that was that, and that, that set me off in the journey towards uh, a, a project manager. So fast forward to today, uh, I'm a program lead for a company based out of the UK. It is a fairly large uh, enterprise. Uh, it's called the Davies Group. And uh, just a magnificent set of folks. Love working with them. Love the culture of that company. And it's growing by leaps and bounds here in the US. Uh, right now, the growth strategy is through mergers and acquisitions. And that's the area specifically that I'm in. I, I lead uh, the U.S. program uh, for the integration of these mergers or acquisitions for the company, which is a key growth strategy. So it's, it's pretty exciting to be at the leading edge of the company's growth uh, and future. So that's where I'm at right now. So, JP, wait a minute, brother. Are you telling me operator his entire career, he gets out, he learns how to translate everything he did in terms that civilians can understand, which means now they can put a value on him which means they can provide the paycheck that JP's commensurate with. And you would come full circle, brother, working for this company out of UK, putting together small, high-performing teams, making sure they got a strong culture and that they integrate with the organization so they can go tactically get stuff done. Is that what you just said you're doing for a living now? <laughs> That's exactly right. That's exactly right. <laughs> and you've been preparing for it your entire other military career, man. I, I told right. you, JP, this guy... First time I had a chat with uh, JP, man, I was just blown away at some of the places he was interviewing with and his, his just, his eyes were up, dude. Like he was, he had complete situational awareness of what was going on. Uh, he and I chatted several times on the phone and LinkedIn. I mean, just asking the right questions, super easy to mentor and man, he just, uh, nothing but impressive, dude. JP, I mean, I know there's guys and gals out there on LinkedIn, man. You'll never meet them, dude. You'll never get to hear from them. 
but you're a beacon to them. And what a cool way to make a living. I can attest, JB can attest, what a cool way to make a living by giving back to others first. I mean, it's just oh, for sure. super blessed, man. Super proud of you, dude. Kill it. Thank you. Thank you. No, what I, I got I to gotta tell you, man, it, it's uh, really running into you or like meeting you uh, and, and going through the process with uh, Bets to PM was, uh, I mean, I, I'm forever thankful, forever thankful. Because I, I would have, for one thing, uh, I was talking to one of my guys the other day. I got two veterans in my team. Uh, so half my team right now uh, is our veteran special operators. And the other half is, you know, uh, coming in from the industry. And I saw it to one of them and I said, you know, I would have never imagined, you know, that I would be doing what I do today, leading leading a team of high performers to execute these missions. And a lot of the modalities, a lot of the the, the framework, if you will, that we use in uh, planning, uh, in my case, specifically, uh, you know, special operations type planning, but planning in general, you know, you know it, just in the military, um, it is that's very deliberate and it's it's phased through. I mean, we do everything in phases uh, and you do certainly the coordination between, you know, different resources and assets. Uh, all these things were a preparation for being able to do this. So but I never would have been able to predict that. Uh, but certainly and, and, you know, anybody that's done a transition will tell you and, and I know you know this, uh, you know, it's it's scary. It's scary because of the unknown in front of you. You've lived in a in a family, if you will, in a in a single company for many of us that have been there for several years, you know, and, and you kind of become part of this and it defines who you are. And now you got to step out of that and re and perhaps revisit who you are. And what does that really mean to be who you are? You know, and uh that whole thing is scary. And I think for me at least embarking on the project management journey was a great way to capitalize on things that have, have already developed within me, but yet be open to learning new things and, 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 and really add that value. Uh, but yeah, uh, all due to, I mean, and it's not advertisement, man. It's not uh, obviously, you know, uh, but vets to PM, I still, I still, to this day, I volunteer to mentor veterans through as they and, and guys just call me because they've heard of me. Uh, and, you know, somebody will be like, hey, you know, I know this guy, JP, here's this information on LinkedIn, hit him up or maybe they have my number and I'll get the calls, whether they be Rangers, guys from SF, SEALs, Marine, uh, you know, the Marsoc guys. Uh, and I'm into them through and I always I route them right back to best PM, I said, because they. They understand where you're coming from, and they have a great program to get you in the direction you want to move. So it was, it's been fantastic, man. You know, JB, and I want to get you in here because he mentioned Texas. So I want you two to have a little chat. But I got to yeah. tell you that you know, and I've always said this. JB knows this. He's been with me almost from the start too. But um, I love all my children, right? Like that's what parents yeah. say, right? I don't have a favorite kid, but what are, one of the coolest to me, most satisfying. Uh, parts of this job is especially for my operators you know because i've got probably two dozen buddies man their job descriptions hey kicked in doors hunted bad guys you yeah, know yeah. high value hvts look for you know whatever just like stuff that not even civilian swat teams 
want to hire you for. And they're the most tactical thing in the Civ Div we have. You know what I mean? Like you just, operators just don't, you know, I got a buddy 82nd Airborne. I mean, there's just no civilian correlate until you crack the code and you figure out, wait a minute. It's a large organization that needs non-standard, non-SOP type work done by a certain date uh, to certain specific standards. And we don't even know, we don't even have a plan yet. Yeah. Who in the world in the company can we hire that's that magician? And it's yeah. and it's an operator all day long and twice on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, and it's just so amazing to see guys that are relegated to being cops or EMTs or firefighters. And I love them. We need those people. I'm not saying that's not a bad job. It's it's a great, I mean, we need them, but gee whiz, talk about thankless in today's environment. But you know what I mean? Like, if yeah. you want to be that when you grow up, kill it, man. If you don't want to be that, you want to put a suit and tie on and go run a project in an air conditioned office Monday through Friday, eight to five, be that too. You yeah. get to be whatever you want because there is no detailer in Washington telling you what to be. So it just right. really gasses me up when I help any vet, but especially when you help an operator, especially if they've been out four months, six months, eight months, and they're like, I just can't, I don't have the Cracker Jack decoder ring. Eric, I can't figure out what the hell to do. And it's like, bro. Read this couple post. <laughs> Look at this job description. If that sounds like something you'd want to do, dude, give us ninety days yeah. and you're set. And yeah. and JP, they like you, dude. They just go, they go crush it, man. It's it's yeah. it's insanely cool. Yeah, and and I'll tell you that it's it's sad when uh, I, I've known of some very senior folks. I knew this one particular special operator, highly respected. I remember him when I was just a team leader in the unit and he was the company sergeant major next door and i remember when he made uh command sergeant major we wanted him back into the unit to battalion because he was just this guy that was just a hard charger very competent very fair and he ends up getting sucked into another unit and we're like oh we lost this guy so he had that kind of respect he ends up as one of the very few command sergeant majors for one of the tactical special operations commands or T-Socks, you know, like there's only a handful of those. Uh, so you got to be at the very top of your game to get that assignment. Uh, your your assigned best friend is a one-star general at that point, you know, so you're pretty high up. And when he retired, I remember I didn't hear from him for a little bit. I didn't, you know, I, I hadn't heard of him for a while. And then I, I, I get back, um, I was on TDY, and I get back into the command and run into him in the hallway. I guess he had been visiting. And we start to talk for, for a little bit, candid, you know, conversation. And he he told me that he was still six months out of the military, had not found a job. And I'm thinking you would be hard pressed to find anybody, a leader more qualified to lead people than this guy. And, uh, you know, he had a, a, a university degree as most uh, command sergeant majors in, in the special operations community do. They see it as a part of the requirements to get to that level. You know, so this guy was educated, was highly trained, tremendously experienced, well above and beyond anything I've ever done. And here he is still unemployed. Ultimately, you know, he went the direction of contracting, which I don't knock it. There's money in it. You can make it a career if you wish, but it's a little bit more of the same. Like in my case, you know, I had children that, you know, I've been, uh, not home a lot. And that's just not the career field I want to keep pursuing where I was, uh, you know, and, and, and that contracting area is also very uh, replete with opportunities to have to retransition again. 
contracts end, they get canceled. Uh, not that that doesn't happen in the civilian side, but just military contracting, it is what it is. And it, it saddens me when I, and it's not the only story. It's one of many I've heard, and it saddens me when I hear it because that preparation is so key. And I always tell folks, this is something that Stu Braden told me in the beginning. He says, you got to start preparing 18 months out when you start thinking about your exit. You know, there's some final preparation, preparations that take place in the last six months, but 18 months out, that far out, and that's when you start looking at, you know, their project management, you know, certifications. You start looking at, you know, I mean, there's, there's obviously, this is a broad topic. I mean, it would be here, several podcasts on it, but yeah, that's always been my perspective on it, and which is why I feel as you do. I mean, you've given back to the community in many ways. You, JB, I mean, the whole staff over, over at Vets to PM, and I've been watching how you guys have grown and, and what you have available offerings wise, product wise today. Um, man, it's amazing. Back in 2014, these things didn't exist, you know? Uh, so it's exciting. I'm excited and, and, and feel very positive. And I think, man, if you're a veteran getting out, you got to take advantage of what's out there right now, as far as this, because the market is hyper competitive. And I always tell folks, listen, it's not like it used to be maybe 20 years ago where you can literally go to a company that has a hiring sign and you delivered your resume. Uh, you're competing globally now. Uh, so it, it's a different game. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I like the, the comment that it's a, it's global and what you're up against is a, is a multitude of different skill sets. So as you started to look at your 18, 19 month separation, what what were you thinking? Like, what was what were you thinking that would make you more competitive? And how did you land on what you did? Great question, JB. So I I tell you this. I've told the story to Doc right a long time ago, and I'll retell it here. I was I remember I took some days off, and I was in I I have an office here. I always had an office wherever I've been. I, I need to have a space to kind of think and be productive. And I had an office in my home over in, uh, when I was uh, in my last duty assignment. And in the middle of that panic, there was a calm in me. And I said, listen, bro, you, you're a special operator. You know how to plan for contingencies. You know how to plan in conflict. And what I did was I went and I bought myself a large dry race board and I began to create a plan. And I planned it based on the doctrine that I learned in the qualification course uh, with regards to planning and un unconventional warfare campaign. And I went and I created strategic objectives. I created lines of effort and aligned everything up over a timeline. And I created this kind of an operational timeline. I said, I want to get here. This is where I start. And where I started to look, uh, you know, one of the things I began to look at is to really define who I was and what I cared about and what, what was I excited about. Right. Why do I get up in the morning energized to go to work? You know, where can I find that? And then I looked at different industries that existed out there, you know, very broad. And uh, once I looked at those industries as my potential targets, I was like, OK, let me break that down further. And I heard of the Bureau of Labor Statistics. They have a lot of good information, a lot of data you can use on there. I went in there in different areas. I said, what areas of operations am I, in, am I interested in? You know, in, in special operations, you know, we break up an environment. You know, we call it a joint special operations area or JSOA. And then you 
break up the environment and, and, and it gets parsed out to different units that are going to operate. They own that battle space. Uh, I basically did that. I broke up my geographical environment. I go, well, am I willing to work here in Miami, Florida, in the, in the South Florida area? Am I willing to work in North Carolina? Am I willing to work in Virginia? And then I looked at those areas and I broke them down you know, by industry. What industries are the most prolific in that area? And then once I figured that out, what companies, and I, and I did a list of five per, what five companies in those industries sound interesting to me? I mean, it took a while. At the end of the day, I had all kinds of, I had, I bought Butcher Block. I had graphs. I mean, it looked like something out of, what's that movie, uh, A Beautiful Mind, is it, with Russell Crowe? I mean, I had, it was a planning room. And uh, Favorite scene, dude. Yeah, exactly. That was that was essentially uh, what I came up with. My wife will tell you, it kind of looked pretty interesting. Um, and then I connected with Doc and I began to, I still have it, the process group and knowledge area mapping. I went and I created the uh, the whole graphic and I went to uh, Office Depot. I had to make, make me a poster and it's sitting right there to my left. Uh, the agile principles are above the computer right here. Uh, so I, I had all this out and uh, just every day being exposed to it, looking at it, making it part of me. Um, that's essentially how I made my way to uh, into this industry. But that's how I did it. That was my approach. Wow. And JB, while he's doing this, dude, he's chatting with me about it. Hey, Doc, so I was talking to this guy when he interviewed me and I'm doing I, I mean, I'm he's literally feeding me how he's attacking his transition while he's doing it. And JP, you can't see him, bro, but I got goosebumps still thinking about it, dude. <laughs> he would be so gassed up in the morning because he'd attack something and it would pop and it would go the right way. Or even when he'd hit a challenge, he'd say, hey, man, this is what happened, Eric. So this is what I'm thinking about doing now. And like, I, I just remember at several conversations being stunned along the way. Like, I'm like, this dude is crushing it, man. Yeah. Um, it, and it was just so awesome to see. It's like, oh, gee whiz, man. He's going to pin the PMP tab on. He's going to kill it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and and I, as far as I know, JP, they weren't teaching that in TAPS. No, I mean, they weren't. Stu was giving you great mentorship. I had, you know, we had just started and had just met Stu probably, I don't know, three, six months before. Um but yeah, he's literally reading Pimbach, applying it to the special operations planning uh, diagram schema and just amazing stuff. And that's what, you know, we say all the time. I mean, if any company out there, JP, if you could do it, I'm sure Sergeant Major could do it. Like any company out there, if they watched you do something like that, would kill to have just two or three of you in the company training their other people to do it. And there's that force multiplication. And, and this story, JP, you don't know it, but I'm going to talk about you at Arizona State University at the end of this month when I'm out there giving the afternoon keynote about, hey, here's what force multiplication is in the military. Here's how it applies in the civilian world. Here's how project managers make great force multipliers, WBSs, yeah. schedules, process maps, like whatever. And that story is literally what I'm going to share. Because you have they have the superhero powers. Many of them aren't you know, uh, uh, many of them nowadays after eight years of being at this are, are veterans, but yeah, here's how you do what you know how to do, but here's the impact it can make on you, your teams, your organization. Here's a shining example, a guy from a totally yeah. different industry. I'm from defense, not insurance, not banking, not whatever, using the same principles to just 
just creates just absolutely stunning results. Oh, absolutely. And I'll tell you the, when I got my first uh, job, you know, on embarking on this career after when I left the military is a pretty funny story. I know you, you've probably heard it. Uh, so the way it happens is through Stu, I connect with Joe Musselman, who's the founder of the Honor Foundation. The Honor Foundation is that originally Naval Special Warfare centric transition organization, which today just all special operators are, are part of the family and they have many, uh, you know, several uh, locations from where they they uh, they help out veterans in the transition. And uh, Joe had told, you know, he was teaching me and I was also talking. So I was talking to, to Stu uh, once a week. I was talking to you once a week. I was talking to Joe once a week. So I have my my three Yodas, you know, as I'm learning to be the, the proper Jedi. And uh, Joe told me, you know, you need to connect with high level uh, like senior executives and there's ways to do that. And he was teaching me techniques on how to do that. Um, well, fast forward, by then I, have, I, I had had uh, lunch with the VP of HR for Carnival Corporation. I had breakfast with the president of UPS in America. She's at the time she had all of North America, Central and South America was in her portfolio, if you will. She was a fantastic lady. Um, so I'm learning from all these folks. And uh, one of my uh, network connections invites me to a get together at Harvard University. Um, uh, a gentleman named Jesse Levin, who also was doing great work for veterans just on his own because, you know, he felt like giving back. And uh, he took me out there. And from there, we go off on that same trip to Babson College, which is an elite business school. And when I go there, uh, now I didn't know what was what I was going to encounter there. Apparently, you know, Jesse's, uh, you know, he graduated from there. So he was just going to visit a teacher. What I didn't know was that the teacher was holding every so many Fridays, he was holding this event where they would talk about entrepreneurship and all past graduates will come through and talk about what they were currently doing in their companies that they have founded or were starting or had started and give this feedback. And I'm just listening here. And that guy, Jesse says, Hey, JP, I put you in to do a 15 minute talk about how special operations planning tr translates into uh, project management. That's out of nowhere. <laughs> like I wasn't prepped for this. I didn't prepare a speech or whatever. I didn't have a PowerPoint. So the only thing I did have, I had an old picture from Afghanistan where I was actually on an operation and the picture was snapped by one of our JTACs. And so I hand them, I said, just put this up, you know, for a visual, I'll talk through. And I began to, so that was kind of like the first time that I grabbed what I learned from vets to PM when I was doing the PMP course. And I tied it into what I had done as an officer of special forces, and I gave this 15-minute talk about planning. Well, what happens is, unbeknownst to me, in that audience was a graduate of that class, of that school, and his dad. And his dad owns a very large um, construction corporation out of New Jersey. And his son had just founded an IT company. And he tells his son, he says, you see that guy right there speaking? That's who you want as your VP of operations. He needs to build your operations department. 
you know. I had no idea that conversation took place. In fact, in fact I found out about it about a year later because I asked my boss, my then boss, I said, how, why do you decide to, to, to discuss that with me? Anyways, at the end of that short talk, I give my business card. I, I had one because in transition, you should always have something <laughs> to hand over, make these connections. And uh, about a couple of weeks later, we exchanged emails. And he says, listen, I got an opportunity here for you. I think uh, this would be perfect for you. Let's have a conversation. And we did. And next thing you know, I'm the VP of operations for this company, which today, by the way, is, is thriving. In fact, the founder and I are still good friends. Uh, Austin Conti, wonderful, wonderful guy. I'm blessed to know him. And uh, his company is doing fantastic. And it was nice to have. And I started at the time the company was just four of us. Um, and I always laugh at the ideas. Like I was VP of operations for a company of four people. Uh, you know, it was like the founder, VP of sales. Uh, and it was hard, hard work. Like, you know, we traveled all over the place working very long hours to stand, stand this company up. And when I transitioned from there to USAA as a program manager, I think at the time we had something in the realm of 90 employees. Um, you know, so it was a fantastic, but that's how I ended up in that career. I mean, it was just, you know, almost serendipity, but it was serendipity that was undergirded by preparation, uh, by deliberate preparation. You know, the more you train, the luckier you are. I love it, JP. As you were talking about that, I was just thinking that's my favorite definition of luck, right? It's being prepared to seize an opportunity when it presents itself, yeah. right? So, um, and so how did you, because I, again, I mean, you know, I, I love TAPS class. It's much better than it used to be. I don't know how much they can pack into three days. So I don't know how much networking and specifically, hey, here's how to network within senior people in big, huge companies, like, so how did JP figure that out? Where in all the butcher block paper was the, hey, here's the top three things I need to focus on and here's how I'm going to network my way into this. I mean, because you just casually happen to say, oh, I had breakfast with Carnival. I had breakfast with UPS. I had breakfast with, I mean, these people are probably making, I don't know, two uh, a quarter or a half a million dollar your salary with another yeah. half a million in stock options or whatever. And they're sitting and having chow with JP, dude. How did you do that for our guys and gals listening? Sure. Uh, I mean, a lot of the, uh, I had background in uh, human intelligence collection, which was part of my special operations training throughout my career. Now there's levels of that. There's very high levels of that. There, there are guys in the unit that that's what they do day in and day out. And they're qualified to the nth degree. They've gone to joint and multi-agency courses for that. The course I received for that was, shall I say, introductory to kind of uh, prepare me for a particular set of operations that uh, I had volunteered to take part of. But the principles are very solid and you know they're essentially the foundation of the framework of, around which they are built involve finding common ground with the person that you're trying to connect with. Uh, there are different techniques for eliciting information in a way that's you know flows with the conversation. Uh, so I picked a lot of the same lessons and I used them uh, in order to be able to communicate effectively, in order to be able to right size the conversation or customize to the discussion and be and still be authentic. Because that's really important too. people pick up on that. You know, you have to be you. 
And that is so, that's why it's so important at the beginning of the transition that you define who you are. And I mentioned already twice before, it is so important because this is who you're, this is the product you're selling. I think you told me a while back, man, and I've always taken, taken this with me. You said to me, uh, it was to the effect that I'm going to paraphrase here. You said, the best product you know is you. And if you cannot sell yourself, how can you expect the company to hire to help sell, sell anything they produce? Uh, and that's exactly the approach I took. Uh, so that's how I really the 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 uh, merging of all of those things into one, uh, you know, and, and and really approaching folks in that in that way. Uh, but there were little things that were really useful, like uh, some, a technique I used, uh, which I it was like my own personal intel gathering. I would meet someone in an event. Uh, and I would take notes immediately afterwards, you know. So if I met somebody, for example, and this happened actually once, who is the president of a company, he expresses an interest in me. He says, you know, hit me up, whatever. Maybe in the conversation, maybe it was in a conference or some, something like that. He mentions his son. Oh, he's, yeah, my son, he plays football. He's not playing this season. He broke his leg, but he's healing. He should be. I take note of that stuff, you know. One of the things I, I learned from my buddy Jesse, one of the guy I mentioned earlier, is always – Send a little note, send a thank you note that somebody spent time with you and talked to you. And, and, you know, so I would send a little card, you know, I would actually old, old style mail, send a note to that person's business. Thank you for uh, conversation at such and such conference. Really appreciate it. So on and so forth. But later on in an email to reconnect, Hey, how's your son doing that? He probably completely healed from. And a lot of times people are like, wow, you remember that. I remember that guy. Yeah, look at that. You know, he he he's detailed oriented. You know, he's uh, pur purposeful. You know, he's so there are things I learned along the way, little little techniques to uh, stay connected to people. And to this day, I still reconnect with folks and hit them up again. You never know. You never know. Or they may I may be able to help them with something, and I'm more than happy to do that. I give back. And how authentic is that? You know, I'm not trying to manipulate you. But yeah. now you remember JP. You don't just remember that cat from a conference. I remembered you had a boy. I remembered he busted his leg. And I thought enough about you to ask you about it. Simple question. I'm not trying to manipulate anybody. I'm not looking for a job. I didn't ask you if you had a job. Like I, I led with what was important. Hey, how are you and how the boy doing? How's his leg? You know what I mean? Yeah. How authentic yeah. is that? So simple. Yep. And, and you know, that's another thing. I've never... In my networking, I have never asked anybody for a job ever. It, it I just let that happen organically. Uh, they know what they're looking for. And if you're that material, they will approach you and tell you, uh, which is what happened with the first company. You know, it was just an email because we we had we we had uh, a, a nice conversation, his dad, him, about what they were doing. Uh, I took their card, whatever, and because now I had their information, I emailed them. Hey, how's it going? You know how things go with your dad and everything, and then he hit me back up and says, "Hey, you know we have some opportunities here. Can we talk?" It was that, but I let it happen organically. Uh, I, I like many veterans, I did, and I, you know, not that this is unnecessary. You still got to do applications. You still have to send them out on email, you know, in the in the uh, ATS systems that all these companies use. But by and large, I mean, you're talking about one out of hundreds of applications, you know, just in hiring, in filling up my team, I was part of the hiring process. And I remember on any single requisition, we would receive an excess of 300 applications, you know, and that's not to, you know, I mean, we're a pretty big company, but we're not Apple, we're not Google. When those folks put a requisition out, can you imagine the thousands of applications that go out? So networking really, my opinion, is key.
that is a skill set that that's going to get you in because uh, it gets you seen, you know, so. Oh, well, be cool. I think it's really, you said something earlier, it's like transposing a skill that you already have. And I think that's a really great example of you taking a skill and making it relevant for the civilian transition. Uh, So great, great story. I think that's amazing. And then, you know, like with, were there any habits that you had to break that were not good for the civilian world? And then, you know, what did you, what did you do to, to assist with that? Oh, for sure, man. Uh, I tell you, one of the uh, key ones, I think, um, and and there were a few. You know, be be in the present, be present in the present, right? You're now, you're no longer in the military, right? Obviously, you're now in a different organization, and you have to learn that organization's culture, respect it be part of it obviously this is why it's so important that you carefully pick where you're going to land right so that you can that so that that process is a lot easier to do i mean certainly you won't you don't want to do that if you're not happy with a corporate culture you're falling into um so this whole thing where uh you know you kind of think back you start comparing everything you know even if you don't do it verbally you know that is not a good habit right because you're talking about different environments completely um Whereas in private industry, the environment is collaborative in a different way because it's not necessarily hierarchical, right? It's not based on, you know, in, in like where I'm, at, where I'm at now, everyone works. And I, what I mean by that is I have been in meetings where my UK colleagues, God bless them, will be in a meeting with us at 4 p.m. our time because it's important. And it's like 10 o'clock at night for them. You know, and they, they'll be there an hour, an hour and a half. Vice presidents, directors, project managers, all in the same meeting, all having that voice, all being heard. Uh, this is a little different in the military. It doesn't work that way. You won't have that one-star general along with the lieutenant colonel and the captain all having an equal voice in that one meeting. And then the places that happens are very special places, right? So uh, that's one of the things that I learned over time is that, you know, the comparisons, you know, don't make the comparisons, be present in the present um, and and, uh, be flexible uh, in terms of adapting to the new modalities. Another part that is, I think it wasn't a habit to break. It was just, uh, um, I guess, just a getting used to In in the military because of its, the way it promotes, it promotes based on, I mean, it, Technically, it promotes based on talent uh, and potential, but it also does so on experience, which is why you're not going to meet a, you know, the, the the days of, you know, the young General Gavin, who was the 82nd Airborne Commander at some point, you know, World War II, I think he was in his 40s, I think he was a two-star or something at the time. That's not going to happen nowadays. You know, two-star is probably one to his 50s, who knows, right? But um, in the military, you'll have senior folks that are older, and you have the less senior folks that are younger. It's just because of the way that the military promotes. In, in private industry, you'll have somebody who's a vice president, who's a go-getter, who's a killer, and he's 35, and he's really damn good, or she's really damn good at the job, you know, and she's killing it, and she's smart, and, you know, she's the, the go-to person and the right person at the job. And then you'll have people that are subordinate 
to them, but when private industries really report to that person and they're 50, 40, you know, so there's none of this age doesn't matter. You know, it's what talents you bring to the table is what matters. So it's things like, oh, that's different, you know, um, in a good way, in a good way, uh, because it's talent based. Uh, so that was different. It, it, it wasn't the habit, but it was something to get in, get used to. Um, another habit, though, that can be damaging is you have to be willing to make mistakes in order to learn. Whereas in the military, after a while, you really you, you and, and it's by necessity. You're really hard on yourself with these mistakes, mistakes, because oftentimes the result of those mistakes can be catastrophic life and death. You know, so, um, but out there, you're learning again. So you have to be able to, in, in order to be useful, you have to be willing to make mistakes. Otherwise, you'll be risk averse. And you're not going to take certain steps and you're not going to grow, right? Um, so you just have to be more open to that when 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 out there. Um, so those are the things that I learned over time that I had to kind of adapt to. And, you know, and speaking of making mistakes too, JP, um, the other thing that you have to get used to doing, right? In my humble experience, so I'm sitting having a dinner in Nashville one night with a senior VP, owns every project manager, every project in the place, all new customer facing stuff, billion, couple billion dollar a year healthcare company. You guys would recognize the name if I said it. And we're sitting at dinner and I asked him, I'm like, hey, if, if, if I could tell my guys and gals something, what are the top three things you need them to know, right? Because I've heard a lot, hey, we can train them to do almost anything. We know their aptitude. We hire vets. Like, we get it. So I said, what's the top three things you could train them? One of his key ones was, hey, I got full departments of accountants. I got full departments of resource managers. I've got full departments of people I pay to be experts. They need to ask for help, right? Just tell them to ask for help. They don't know how to do something in a, on an accounting line item on a project with a, with a Northrop Grumman, Grumman customer or something. We can't screw that up. So to your point, it's not life or death, but their customers expect execution, clean execution. So, you know, and it, and it takes, it takes some, some humility to say, hey, <laughs> so when I was in the teams or when I was at the Department of Defense doing projects, uh, we didn't track the dollars. So like, how do I put my time against the budget in a way that's congruent with how your accounting system needs that. Because yeah. if you go screw up nine pay periods of accounting system, they got to pay somebody to go fix it. You do that too many times, they're going to think, what's well, this guy dense? He doesn't get it. He's like, what, never going to ask for help? He's going to break stuff. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not, again, it's not life or death, but learn to ask for help too, man. They've got people yeah. that they'll, hey, can I buy you a cup of coffee if you show me over a 20 minute period, like how to do the line item accounting for this project? People yeah. love to give you their opinion. They love to be asked their expertise and they love to drink coffee or, you know, have a soda or something. I mean, so, you know, and it, like you said, with the authenticity, it endears you to the team. Yeah. You're not, yeah. you know, going to drive a Mack truck through every problem. Like, Hey, you're an expert. I'm not an expert. You could probably help me. We can get this done together. I mean, it, it endears you to them. Yeah. And that's true. And that's, that's what I mean by be willing to make the mistakes because it's not like you're, going to a task to screw it up but the fact that you're willing to extend to try something new that you're not quite familiar with yet um a lot in, in fact i'll tell you you know i have like i said i have two veterans that just joined my team they've been out of the military about maybe six months both of them 
At the time they joined our team, they have been out literally weeks. Um, and they and I've had this conversation with them, and they're willing to, you know, learn new things. Right now, what do they do is when they see difficulty, they do ask for help. They're open to that. And that's why that communication piece is really important, right? to be able to have open communications. Uh, you know, part of, I think, from a company's perspective, that want to hire veterans, they also have to understand that, yeah, the veteran has to prepare in order to work for a private industry, for a company. But companies that are looking for veterans, they need to prepare, too, to understand veterans' mindset, to understand that, listen, uh, you got this person coming in from a totally different corporate culture. Uh, send the message out like, hey, listen, at, you know, ask for help, ask for assistance, ask somebody to teach you, you know, that sort of thing. And I think uh, what I've seen so far has been very positive. Veterans that I've seen working, that's how they approach it. Uh, they're not afraid to try new things and uh, they learn quickly. Uh, that's another thing. And then on top of that, once they figure out something and learn it well, they bring that work ethic behind it. And then suddenly you got like a person just will, will do a task to the best of their ability, their ability with a lot of detail uh, involved, uh, a lot of planning, and it gets executed with excellence. And, and then now you're surprised like, wow, you just, you just learned to do this last month. How the heck are you? Because they're willing to do it. The worst thing you could do coming in is being afraid to try anything new. You won't, number one, you won't learn. Number two, uh, you will not extend your your talents to those areas and you won't show you won't shine the way you 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 possibly could so that's i think the proper attitude going in and another thing i told folks listen transition's not over when you get the job uh it will it will be a while it's going to be you know a couple of years until you finally feel okay i I've, I've transitioned you know you know and that's that's a great point jp every time you change teams like, hey, I'm working at the construction company. Now I'm going to go do this thing for USAA. I mean, the onus is on you to figure out, okay, what's their mission? What's their purpose? Why did they yeah. hire me? How do I fit in? What skills do they need to hear about? What What's important to them? What do I need to be talking about? I mean, so, you know, uh, the, 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 the scary part of that is, to your point, transition doesn't ever end, right? We're always, we're growing human beings. We learn through making mistakes. The cool part about that, though, my humble opinion, the liberating part is, that means it's in your full control. Yeah. You can find the tools, the resources, like you were doing with the mind maps and the. You can find resources. The the Bureau of Labor Statistics. What do they do? How do they do it? What do they value? How can I contribute to that? And if yeah. you can show them that, you could transition right in and just remake yourself as many times as you want. I've been an author. I've been a, a university professor. I've been an accountant, mediocre one at best. I've been an accountant. I've been a, I've been lots of different things. That the day before I decided to become that thing, I wasn't that thing. And I suffered yeah. from imposter syndrome. And the objective always was, hey, by the time they figured out I wasn't that thing, when they hired me, they won't fire me because I'll be kicking ass. Yeah. I'll be making a yes. contribution. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And and uh, it's it's been uh, it's been so cool to see uh, these these two veterans that I have go on that journey, like from the beginning. Like I'm I'm seeing myself in them many times, uh, except they have the advantage that I'm there, so they can have these kind of, you know, when they when it's time for them to uh, to to get on that couch and and just uh, unload on on their frustrations with us, like, dude, I went exactly to the same thing. I totally get it. You're doing a good job. Listen, you're doing the right things and giving advice uh, advice on which way to go. 
uh, what approach to take on things. And they're killing it. I mean, they're the one of them just delivered and he got in, I want to say February. Uh, by I'm looking at the my my ops board here, looking at that project. Um, I want to say we delivered that project like a month and a half ago, delivered $60 million in valuation with that one project, right? This is a veteran that's been out like, like I said, February, right? Um, I have another one about to, uh, he already delivered one project and he's about to deliver another one probably in about two weeks here. So we just had some critical meetings just before this one. And we have another one at 4 a.m. because I got to be nice to my UK colleagues, man. They spend late hours for on our behalf. So I said, look, if you need to do a meeting early, uh, I'll be early too. No, no big deal. Um, so very proud of them. They're, they're, they're kicking it. They're kicking that butt, man. They're uh, honestly making a tremendous impact. People are impressed with just the, del like the their delivery, if you will, uh, whether that's reporting, the planning portion. Their intellectual curiosity is also infectious. You know, the fact that they'll, uh, they'll reach out to uh, somebody in the, in the IT team and say, hey, teach me about this thing you do. I don't understand exactly. I want to I get down and understand this. You know, I love that about them because that's the way they would be, you know, back in the service, you know. So it's uh, it's pretty cool to see it from this perspective. Wow. Wow. And lucky for them, they have a mentor that did it and understands the mindset and is able to speak to it, but also encourage them when they need it and then yep. direct them when they uh, need a little direction as well. So, wow. Yep. Lucky. As we begin to get close to the end, what parting shots do you have? What's uh, if you had some couple tactical tips for people that are about to step into them transition shoes, you know, what, what landmine should they avoid and which pot of gold do they go after? That's a great question. I think the first thing to do is, you know, certainly, you know, for anybody listening that may be going into transition anywhere from, you know, next month to, you know, a year and a half from now, uh, obviously how close you are, the, you know, the, the different planning approaches, but really define what passions you have, what makes you passionate uh, about, what makes you excited about, about work. You know, what kind of work gets you excited about, particularly what thing? And then look into, um, you know, a lot of what the challenge is, like when, when guys are, whether they're enlisted officers, it's always the same thing. It's always, I'm not sure what I'm going to do next. I'm not quite sure, man. I, I don't, you know, and, and we always go through this conversation where I say to them, okay, tell me about what are you good at innately, like in, within you? Are you good with, uh, do you like, accomplishing tasks on a day-to-day -day basis? Do you like to get after something that takes a while to finish? You know, are you into building model sets? Do you have the patience to put that together? Um, things like that will inform, okay, are you, maybe project management is for you. Maybe you want to pursue a career in a more technical field. Maybe IT is a thing for you. It's to really define what, what makes you passionate about life, about work. And then after you've defined that, you know, begin to isolate what you know what areas in the industry uh, interest you you know for whatever reason uh, and then start looking into companies there in your area that kind of thing I mean there's a whole micro to micro approach but really know yourself more than anything know yourself um, for those that are preparing I would say you know we already have the tools available 
you know, from the things you've learned in leadership and management, logistics, operations. It's time then to make those official by certifying as much as you can. Uh, things like PMP, scrum master, product owner, you know, if we're talking about this particular area of work where I'm in, you know, all these things were so important for me because it taught me a language. It taught me a method. It And, and I was able to see the, the similarities and tie it back into everything I had already done. And it came together. You know, we need to really, I think veterans at, at large, you know, look a year and a half out and begin to, to, to study. You start get your PMBOK, you know, start going through your PMBOK with all the seminars, take the courses, invest in yourself, you know, because it's going to pay dividends uh, upon exit. A lot of employee employers, they look at that when you see a veteran that has this, the right certifications, the right preparation, and then you bring them to an interview. And that conversation flows because the veteran knows how to express himself or herself in that conversation and understands what the language really means. What certain, you know, whether that's we're talking about profit and loss operations, you know, at a strategic level, business planning, whatever it might be, they can understand. Um, it really impresses employers because they're like, wow, this person was in the military. They got all this knowledge on top of that. They got all this, you know, we understand that they got a tremendous work ethic usually in the military. This, this person might be great. You know, um, and, I'll, and I'll leave you with this. When I got hired in USAA as a program lead, I didn't have a lot of the, the nine or 11 certifications. I, I lost count. I don't have any I have at this point, but I didn't have those certifications. But I got hired after the interview. And I remember when I was, if, if anybody's ever gone to the USAA, uh, the area they use of the, of the building for the interviews, it's pretty impressive. Uh, you walk in there, it's like, wow, it's almost intimidating uh, the, the, the way that place is set up. It might be on purpose. Uh, but, you know, I'm there in a suit. Everybody's sitting there in a suit. And I remember there were six uh, people there uh, dressed very well, running the gamut of potential. You know, the very young guy, a much older guy. You can tell probably he's been doing this for a long time, you know, probably fully certified. And I came away like, man, that was a nice interview. I probably messed up one question. Uh, I remember I went to a restaurant right after the interview, right outside of, of the building there uh, before going home. And I was thinking, well, I probably didn't get the job, but I got the experience of the interview. You know, what the heck? That's, that's like going to the range. No big deal. Uh, and I did get the job. And it wasn't for like a year and a half later, my director, who was the hiring manager at the time, who was the person that interviewed me, I actually did three interviews. Uh, ultimately, I did an interview with his boss, who was the vice president at the time. Uh, he moved down to another area of the company as a director. And so like, we just became friends and it was just a different sort of relationship at that point. And I asked him, I said, I said, why do you hire me, man? Looking back, not, not if you could, yeah, you could tell me, you know, not tell, what, what was the reason? And he simply said this, he says, I, 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 the interview went great, man. You were confident, you were direct, you answered the questions. But more than that, I looked down at your resume and you had included Ranger School as one of the schools you have gone to. I, I don't know why I did that. I normally don't tell veterans to do that. <laughs> I don't know why I was there. And he said to me, he said, you know, I needed a leader in our team. And I knew that I could teach you anything else about the business. But I couldn't teach you to be a natural leader. And if you went to combat, you went special forces, you went to Ranger School, you're a leader. So he says, so I hired you. <laughs> you know, and no doubt 
there was a lot of learning after that involved. And there was a lot of mentoring involved in USA. USA is a wonderful place to grow up, honestly. It's a good company for that. Uh, but it, it just, it, it gives me that hope, you know, for every veteran that hears this, what you know is enough, but only nearly enough. Invest in yourself, get certified, get trained, understand the lexicon, the language, you know, so you can communicate effectively and show this value to employers. That's what I would leave people with. Wow, that was good. Doc, the floor is yours for the last question. Well, what I would say to codify, you know, because we're vets in here, most of us, and we want actionable stuff. So uh, what I would say to codify what JP was just talking about, you've heard him mention learning the language several times. You heard him talk about the difference between management and leadership. You've heard him talking about business planning, profit and loss statement, or P&L. I mean, those are all very important tools that they use in the civilian workforce, the civilian division, the civ div. So to JP's point, that's exactly why uh, I wrote the book and Vets the PM published it, How to Speak Civilian Fluently. It tells you what the accountants do. It tells you what the finance managers do. It tells you what the project managers do. It tells you what sales does and how that's different from marketing. So, you know, I'm not saying it'll be the, the, the most enlightening book you'll ever read, but if you go to vetstopm.com forward slash CM, thank you. We'll send you a free copy of the book. Don't go buy it on Amazon like the civilians. Go get it for free, and you can do what JP is talking about. You can learn the language. You it, it, And like he said, you'll know enough. You'll be able to orient to the new organization that you're walking into or interviewing with, and you'll be able to ask some intelligent, stupid questions. And that's exactly what they need to see. That'll show them enough because, like JP said, they'll see the authentic value-adding, contributing team member that they don't have to babysit. Right there, you're in. The rest of the interview is just you being comfortable and relaxed and confident and telling them what you know and telling them what you don't and asking them good questions and slam dunk in the interview. That's what I would add, JP. Yep. Wow. Absolutely. Great ad. Great ad. All right. Hey, uh, the floor is yours, JP, for the last comment, and then we'll we'll say goodbye. Thank you, JB and, and, and Doc. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, it's been fun discussing a little bit of trip down memory lane for me, looking back. Uh, it still seems like yesterday. It really does seem like yesterday. I remember exactly uh, when I took my first class. Uh, I, was, I, I, I was out of uh, Homestead at the time. Uh, and I am so glad that you guys have grown like you have grown and that you touched as many lives as you have, because, you know, there's something, I, I went to a gala event that the Honor Foundation had here in Houston. They have one upcoming here in October that I'll be going to as well. And the current uh, president or, or CEO of, of the Honor Foundation said something that really stayed with me. He said, uh, and this is true for you guys as well, though you may not be aware of it. He says, for, for all these folks that we get through that we give them the opportunity for themselves to go out there and repurpose their lives and get meaningful, you know, new journeys, new careers that give that, that quality of life for their families, for themselves. You know, we save lives. And he said, there are veterans that communicate with them after the fact and said, you saved my life. You know, I was in a dark place before I met you guys. I didn't know which direction I was going to go to. I, you know, it would have been the end of me. And I didn't do that because through you, I found a way, you know, and whether you guys are aware of it or, or not, with these 
you know, the numbers alone will tell you. I mean, if we look, you, you know what the suicide rate is. I mean, we speak about it all the time. Gets a lot of press nowadays, which is a good thing. Hopefully, guys reaching out for the proper help. But if you look at the percentages, the fact is, with the thousands of lives you guys have touched, you have saved lives by doing what you do. So I hope that you guys remember that and that that motivates you to continue doing it because it's important work. It matters. I know you guys know that, but I just want to thank you for that. Well, thanks, JP. I appreciate it. It's great to get to know you a little bit on the on the show, and I hope the listeners enjoyed it as much as we did. Thank you. Same here. Cheering me up, JP. Dan, thanks for your time, brother. Thank you Thank for you tuning much. in and spending a bit of time with us at the Military Transition Academy powered by Vets to PM. If we piqued your interest, but you want more details, please head over to the website vets2pm.com and see if we can help prepare you for a better tomorrow or a future meaningful and lucrative career.